Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. Luke 23:44. It was now about noon and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. For the sun stopped shining and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. And Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he had said this, he breathed his last. This is a nightmare. This is a nightmare for those that were following him, the one that's supposed to liberate them from this oppressive government. And here he lies hanging on a cross. The imagery of itself is a nightmare. I don't know about you, but I struggle. In fact, I refuse to look at some of the images on YouTube these days that are coming out of the Middle East of the same act that we talk about this morning. People crucified, lynched by a mob. And yet, we sing about it, we talk about it, uh, we revere it in church, and I don't know about you, but I find, I don't know whether it's 2,000 years worth of, of history or our modern mindset, but is it me or is the image of Easter lost its power to shock? This is a nightmare. And I'm not saying that in order to have some gravitas in terms of what we're saying this morning. In fact, what I'm, what I, what I'm getting to is that, that in at least on Good Friday, we see that what the Bible is talking about is real in the world today. Paris, Brussels, Raqqa in Syria. These are all things that I think for the modern Sydney cider are becoming ever more real to us, Right? I think for the first time in this recent season, as long as I've been growing up in these 30-something years as a kid, that I feel when we come to this time of Easter, there's somehow a connection with what is going on in the world and the horror in what we see transpire on Good Friday. That Sydney signers have a problem today. And the problem is this, that we recognise that darkness has an inevitable power to sweep into our lives. We're, We're like... Kids building little happiness sandcastles on the shore of a raging surf. And in order to deal with it, we just turn our back to the ocean and hope that it will never happen. But live long enough, and not on the global scale of whether it be terrorism or the horror that we see, you'll feel depression. You'll see a relationship disintegrate. You'll see loved ones pass away. You'll come to recognise that if you live long enough, it's like how the writer Frank Commode said, there seems to be a calamity built into the texture of life. That to hold on to happiness is to recognise that the world will pass away, that the petal will fall and the beloved die. And that no amount of mocking or scowling will ever take us away from the feeling that we We cherish the feeling and the pleasure of the sun on our face and yet come to understand the adult notion that it cannot last forever. We've got a problem with the darkness. What do we do with that? The modern person could take it a range of different ways. You can try and and avoid it. I call it the party hard approach. You can try and forget it. I call that the substance abuse approach. You can try to deny it. I call that the stoic approach. Put the tough face on. But we recognise that any of, any of those methods is just building the sandcastle again. 
And so we need something deeper, a resource deeper that allows us to deal with the things that we see in the world. And that is where we begin to see the uniqueness of the Christian hope. Jesus tells a fascinating story when he tries to describe it to his disciples just the night before all of this nightmare happened. When he says, you'll have grief, but your grief will turn to joy. It's like a woman who is in childbirth. He says that she is in an immense amount of pain, but the time will come. And when the child comes, she forgets the pain. Now note that Jesus doesn't say that, oh, the pain just mysteriously dissolves. It says that he forgets it. I've witnessed this. I've had the, ple- the, the pleasure and the privilege to see this happen in real life. That in, in the most immense and torturous pain, the minute that that child is placed on the mother's chest, it just, it just seems to be forgotten. Now, is it, is it God? No, of course it's still there. What happens when she looks at the fingers and when she looks at the toes and when she looks at the eyes and looks at the nose and she hugs the child? Suddenly, all of that pain is not swept away. It is... It's overwhelmed by the child. What Jesus is saying is you need a resource in your life that, is, that overwhelms the circumstances that you go through. And what is that? It's the Christian hope. And it's why we are the people of the dawn. Think about your dawn moments if you've ever had one. Maybe you've been woken up early in the morning. Maybe you got up to experience the beauty and the wonder of it, or the wonder of it. But in a dawn, when you're in the dawn, the darkness is real. You still feel the darkness. You still you still are constrained by the darkness. You still are disoriented by the darkness. But you know that moment that you have when, when suddenly something changes. You know that moment when. In a night full of darkness, for the first time, you can just make out the vaguest of shapes on the horizon. You ever ever had that moment? I don't know how it happens. I don't know when it happens. But there suddenly comes a point in which you know that you know that there is a difference between the dark and the light. And anyone anyone who is a Christian is simply someone who's had a dawning moment in their life. We often say, I don't know how I came to to know God. I don't know how I came to see this light. I just know that I know. Some of you are in dawn moments at the moment, that you're in deep moments of darkness, and that the only thing that holds you through is not the clarity of knowing the pathway through, but the fact that you can see the dawning of a light on the horizon. That's the Christian hope. And what is that hope? The Christian hope is... The wonderful, the mysterious magic where somehow your joy and your happiness and sorrow can overlap at exactly the same time. That unlike the rest of the world, the two can coexist together. How does that happen? I mean, does it happen if, if the Christian hope is just heaven? Is that it? Is that what the Christian hope is? If the Christian hope is just heaven, if the Christian hope is that Jesus dies on the cross for us, our sins are forgiven, we get to be with God, if it's just some magic Willy Wonka ticket, is that it? If it's just heaven, then it's just, it's just compensation. It's just an insurance policy. Any of you know that if you've lost your favourite car, that an insurance policy is never sufficient to bring back the smell and the love that you had for that thing. At a deeper level, if you've lost a loved one, no insurance policy. A million, two million, what are they worth? It could never bring them back because what you are after is not compensation. What you're after is restoration. You need restoration. 
You want all the sweetness of those moments that you had with that person back. You want to hug them again. You want to kiss them again. You want to be with them again. No amount of money is going to bring you that. And so this is the Christian hope. Is the Christian hope just heaven? Or if, if the Christian hope is what we look to as Christians in two days' time on Sunday, if it's not just heaven but a resurrection, maybe that's something totally different. Maybe there could be a dynamic by which the, the sorrow and the pain that you feel in your life can actually be transformed in order to enhance your joy. And some of you are thinking, how the heck could that happen? The only way I've been able to illustrate this well is, is to share the moment that uh, a, a while back I'd, I'd had a nightmare that Kristen and my little guy Zach there had, had died. And I woke up, I don't know if, you, if you've ever had these nightmares, where you wake up in the cold sweat and you're disoriented in the darkness, and you're not quite sure where you're at, and you wake up and, 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 and suddenly I turn over and I see that, that she's there and I, I just kiss her all over at three o'clock in the morning. And it's like, what are you doing, you idiot? And I, I, go to, I go to his door and I open up and I can see his sleeping little head and I'm found it's okay. And there's a, there's a joy again, but it's, it's, not, it's not a joy in spite of the nightmare. It's actually a joy because of the nightmare. That if I had not had that nightmare, then because of that nightmare, my joy is, what, 10, 20, 30, 50 times more than it would have been if I had not had it in the first place. And here is the message of Easter, friend. Every bit of pain you feel. Every bit of injustice you scoff at. Every nightmarish moment in your life, God, in the hope that we have in three days' time in the resurrection, God, in the person of Jesus, has showed us that such is his power that he will twist evil and injustice in such a way that it, it won't just give you joy in spite of it, it will enhance it. That the joy you have will swallow up the nightmare and make it even sweeter. Do you get that this morning? Do you live that this morning? Do you feel that this morning? I, I don't think we do. Paul said, I consider that our momentary afflictions are just light and momentary sufferings compared to the glory that will be revealed. He's saying the things that you are going through this morning are going to get so swallowed up that they will... They will enhance your joy. And so as we come to Easter this morning, friends, and we see the nightmare that was the cross, if anything, we see in the person of Jesus Christ and the power of God that this is a promise that he can and he has and he will deliver on. Do you have that sort of resource in your life this Easter? Christian friends, we know we have it, but we don't know that we have it. And as we come to the cross this morning, you're going to take some of the sticky notes that are on your chair. There's going to be an opportunity during communion to take this note and to write your name on it. And as you take communion, we invite you, if you would like, to come to the cross and to place your name on the cross there as a recognition for what Jesus Christ has done for you this morning. If you're still working out what this whole Christianity thing is for you, then can I encourage you to look to the hope that Christians have 
that we are not people that uh, live in spite of the darkness. We live in the darkness, all right. But a light is dawning, <laughs> that a light is coming, and that we know that there is something different in the world today. Do you know a difference between the dark and the light? If you do, you're one step closer to God. Friends, let's stop, reflect on the dawn that we live in, the, the people of the now but not yet, the people of the sorrow but also of the immediate and the future joy. Let's pray. Father, we need you to make this real to us this morning. Oh Lord, I pray for, for any of those that are here in this place this morning and know all too well the darkness of life. They may be consumed by it at the moment. Father, I pray that if it, at the least it be in the smallest of ways, that there would be a, a dawning of light and a difference on their horizon this morning and they've come to a recognition that there is something else, something beyond their circumstances this morning. Father, as your followers, we need to come to a recognition of this in our own lives. We thank you for what it is that Christ has done for us that not only did he die for our sins, but Father, as we will hear in a few days' time, you through him has, has done something so much more. So fix our eyes on that this morning. May we rediscover the hope that we have in you and what you've done, Heavenly Father. May that overwhelm us, I pray, in your mighty name. Amen. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.